0: Good morning. They keep on talking about a game that happened. I didn't see a game. It's denial. It's easier for me that way. Um, hey, it is good to be with you guys. Uh, it is that time of year. Did everyone have a good Christmas? I heard, like, a little, yeah, kind of, maybe. Um, yeah, Christmas time is, is, is all done. We're in that, that week where it feels like it's a little bit of a blur, like what, our, what is today. But uh, we, this is Sunday, and we are leading up to New Year, which is really cool. I love, I, I love New Year because I love lists. And um, at the end of the year, we always have like the best movie of the year or the best uh, uh, album or all those kind of things. And this one's extra special because they're doing like the best albums of the decade or all those kind of things. But there's also an aspect of New Year's for me, at least, where um, I know it can feel a little heavy. Um, There's always a period of time where I will kind of look back and and, and maybe get a little introspective and, and kind of like think, did I really do enough this year? like did i accomplish the things that i wanted to accomplish and 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 some of that is really unhealthy but some of it is actually kind of healthy to you know take inventory of our lives and and i think the new year is a, is is a good time to, to take inventory so what i want to do for a moment is do that with you guys um, and my intent with this is, is not that there would be shame or guilt or for us to feel bad about how our years went, but just to kind of really honestly gauge where we are in life. Um, and and I, I'm not really talking about career-wise or, or how much is in our 401k or anything like that, but just spiritually, how are we doing? And so what I want to do is just take a moment and, and go all the way back to January 2019 And I want you to just kind of think: How was I doing? Like, what was going on in my life? What were the things that I was passionate about? What was I struggling with? How was my relationship with with Jesus? And as the months rolled by and there was the highs and the lows and the, the celebrations and the, the difficulties, would you say the, that now, a year later, you don't have to raise your hand, but would you say now you feel like, man, I have really grown. I'm in a, and I'm in a better place than I was a year ago. Maybe for some of you, you would say that. Maybe for some of you, you look past um, at the past year and think, you know, I'm actually not doing very well. I'm actually, I was doing better last year and I've kind of uh, walked away a little bit or I've drifted. Maybe for a lot of you, I know this is pr- most common in my life as I just kind of think, ah, I'm kind of in the same spot. I haven't really grown or uh, fallen away. I've just kind of stagnated a little bit. And, and, and the reason that I, I say this is, again, not for us to feel shame or for us to feel guilt, um, but the call of a Christian, the call of a follower of Jesus is to be a disciple, and that, that is, the, the Bible tells us that we are called to be disciples. And a disciple essentially is someone who models their life after another. And chooses to, to attach their life to someone else to follow them. And so what it would look like for us to be disciples of Jesus would be, we would be regularly growing more and more like Jesus that our lives would, would begin to transform to look more like Jesus, and we would attach our lives to him that, that when he would call us to do things, we would regularly be saying, yes, Jesus, I will do that. Or yes, Jesus, I, will, I, I won't do this anymore. And so the question would be for you, do you see your life growing as a disciple? Because, because the disciple life is in an ever state of, of change, of growth. And and again, like I, I don't say this so that we think, man, I'm not really growing, but, but but there should be this question like, am I growing or not? I love how James puts it in chapter one. He says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. I think James was hitting on something that was apparently really popular in the first century that is definitely really popular now is where we look at our faith, we look at going to church, we look at reading the Bible as all these things where it's, if I am gathering information, if I am learning more about Jesus, then I'm doing well. And so we go to church and we hear something important, we store it away, and we say, that's important, that's good, and I know more about Jesus. Uh, today than I did yesterday. But but James is hitting on something like, if it doesn't change the way you live, then it's not really important and you're kind of deceiving yourself. That the life of a disciple is not just simply learning more about God, it's actually growing and changing and to, to be more like Jesus. And so it's important to take inventory. Am I growing? Am I drifting away? Am I stagnating? And here's the good news. The good news is no matter what, how you would answer that question, whether you say I've really grown or I've really kind of drifted away or I've just stagnated, no matter how you answer that question, we are all in the same boat. Amen. We are all in the same boat because the, the call of a disciple is a daily call. And we all have the same opportunity today to say yes to Jesus that we did yesterday and that we will tomorrow. So no matter what you've done, no matter how bad your year has been, no matter, you know, like it, it could have been awful or it could have been great, we are all in the same boat that we can say, Jesus, I'm saying yes to you today. And I'm, I'm choosing to be your disciple today. And it's, it's the Bible tells us that his mercies are new every morning. There's no pit that's too deep for him. We can begin moving forward. So I'm saying all this because today we're going to be doing something a little different than we usually do. It's kind of become a tradition for the last sermon of the year where we do a year in review, and we look at all of the the things that have been taught from the pulpit. And so I hope you guys have a big chunk of your day locked. Can you lock the doors back there? No. Uh, we're gonna go through this quickly. We're gonna take a bird's eye view of all of the, the sermon series that we looked at just to 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 to, to, to remind you. And I and, and and I wanna say, as one of the pastors who's on the preaching team, we we talk a lot about what we're gonna preach. And we, we discuss it. And, and, and even more than that, we really, really pray about it. There's a lot of prayer and consideration that goes into the things that we preach about. And, and, there, and, and really what we're praying is, God, we know that you're doing something in this church. We know that you are active and that you are already moving. Would you guide us and help us preach about the things that you're already doing? And again, we don't want to just give teachings that fill you up with with head knowledge, but we want to give you things that actually help you live, help you live the disciple life. And so the reason we're going to go through the sermon series, hopefully you will uh, hear something that you think, oh man, that challenged me. Or I remember when we talked about that, I felt God convicted me, or I felt God was encouraging me to step out in this way. And, And hopefully this will act as kind of a reminder of the things that God was doing in your life over the past year. So as we go through these talks, um, I just encourage you to think about it in the scope of discipleship. What has God called me to do? How has God called me to change or to act? And so before we jump in, let me just pray. And by the way, any of these sermon series, if they sound interesting, you can find them all on our website, vcdc.org, under the sermons, you can find them on iTunes, you can, uh, or you can go to the info counter and say, hey, I want that sermon series on one of those yellow cards, and we will get you physical CDs. But let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we, we invite you here. We just ask you to come and have your way. We ask that you uh, would speak to us, and we just say yes to whatever you say. We say we want to be obedient to the things you've put on our heart, to the challenges, to the encouragements. We say yes to those things. We say we want to follow you. We want to be your disciples. It's in your name. Amen. Amen. Alright, so our first sermon series of the year of 2019, drumroll please, it was a series called Connect Four. Connect Four, this was back in January, we did a series on the four connects of this church. And what the four connects are is we really believe that we uh, were made, we were designed to, to be in Connection that we are designed to connect um, and, and, and in four primary ways. The first uh, way that we believe that we were created to have connection is with a connection to God. A connection to God. And so we feel like our job as a church is to come alongside of you, to assist you in these connections, to help you make these connections more. But our primary one, the one that we hope you make more than any other is a connection to God. We believe that this is the first and most important connection. All of the other connections, all of the other things that we do should flow out of a connection to God. We believe that intimacy with with God is the most important thing that we are are called to do, that we are made to do. We, we think, I, I really, when you come to this church, I hope you like the worship. I hope you like the teachings. I hope you make some friends. All those things are great. But really what I hope most of all is that you meet God and you connect with him more and more and that your relationship with him grows. And so that's the first one. The second connection is a connection to your purpose. See, We believe that the Bible teaches that you were made on purpose for a purpose. That when God made you, he thought this is a really good idea. You weren't an accident. You weren't a mistake. You're not just happenstance. That he made you on purpose for a purpose. And he has good things for you. He has a purpose for your life. He has a, he is, he is something he has called, he's uniquely wired you to do. And your experiences, your, your hardships have contributed to the thing that God has made you to be. And we want to help you find what God made you to be. Third, we believe that we are called to be connected to the church. We are, we are made to be connected to a community of believers that this life is hard. It's hard to walk out the life that God has called us to walk out and the connection to him and connection to our purpose outside of this community of, of, of fellowship with believers. And, and in this context, we, we, we worship together and we, we, we read the Bible together. We do all these things, but we, we, we encourage one another. We, we carry each other's burdens, and, and we challenge each other. And, 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 and we, we walk through this life together, but we're called to be connected to God, to connect to our purpose, and connect to, to one another in the church. And, and then finally, uh, we want to help you connect to the community. And uh, we don't really want to be a secret club. We don't want to be a club of people that just pat each other on the back and, and you know build you know walls and lock the doors and keep people away. We want to be people who are actively going into our communities and loving our communities, serving our communities, sharing the gospel with our communities, where we work, live and, and play and then on to the, the ends of the earth, the greater community. We believe that those four connections are really the primary reasons that this church exists. And and maybe during that series, or maybe even right now, there was some, maybe a tension, maybe a challenge that you felt. Maybe there was a call to discipleship in there that you felt like, man, my connection to God has been like the, not the primary connection, it's been like the third thing. And I really need to press into that. Or maybe it was connecting to the church. Maybe, maybe you felt you know, convicted, like, I need to get involved in a small group. Or I need to make you know, coming to church on the weekend more important. Or I, I, I really want to take the connections I have with the people here in this church from like kind of the surface level to like the next level and, and, and form deeper bonds with people. I don't know. It could have been any number of things, but but that you would listen to those stirrings and say yes to Jesus in them. And just as a plug uh, for next week, we're, next week we're starting a new series. It's going to be called "Disconnected," and it is kind of like the flip side of this. That I think most of us would agree that yeah. I know I'm created to be in relationship with God and I know I'm supposed to be connected to the church and all those things you said, they sound good, but why is it so hard to do those things? Why is it so difficult? And so next week we're going to start a series on why it's so hard and and, and really practical things that we can do to to really form those connections. So that was the first series. It was Connect Four. Connect Four. The next series we did was in February. It was a series called Real Life. Life Lessons from 1 John. This was a a look at the letter, the book in the Bible called 1 John. It's in the New Testament. It was written by the Apostle John. Um, And this is a really cool, cool book. I really enjoy it. Um, And normally when we do a book in the Bible, which we do pretty often, usually about every other sermon series or every couple is just a straight look at the, a book in the Bible. And what we normally do is start at the beginning and work to the end. But we didn't do that in 1 John, because if you remember, 1 John was written in a really unique way. Where if we look at some of the other letters in the New Testament, it would be very linear, like there is a thesis statement, and then this point, and then this point, and then this point. Uh, 1 John was written kind of like a wheel that there's these kind of four points that John was getting at kind of over and over again and hitting them in different ways and trying to get his point across in this kind of circular way. And so, so we took these four major themes. The first theme was that we have a real Jesus. It was real Jesus and that he was really the Son of God. And he really came to earth, and he really died for us, and he really wants to have a relationship with us. And it kind of goes back to that first connect, right? That we are called to be in relationship with the real Jesus. The, the second uh, theme was, was real sin. Real sin that John talks about, that, that we are called to be righteous, that we are called to live according to this standard, but there's this sin that we mess up, that we, we don't live according to, 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 to the way that Jesus wants us to live and, and that sin enters in our, uh, our lives and messes things up and it's a big deal and that we need to address sin. We need to, to not only acknowledge it, but address it with things like repentance and confession and, and that the real Jesus paid the price for our real sin and that we have forgiveness of that. And, and third was that we have real opposition, that this, this world can be tough, that there is both spiritual opposition that we face, there's just the natural opposition that we face. We have people in our lives that can, can be opposition and, and then we just face the hardships of life, right? That things can be really difficult, and there's this, this challenge to, to hold on to that real Jesus through the real opposition. And then finally, we are called to real love. Real love. John, more than just about any other author in the Bible, challenges the church and encourages the church to really love one another. To really let love be the thing that we're known for and known by. And so maybe when we went through this series there was something that you felt challenged by or convicted by. Maybe it was the sin thing. Maybe there's been a sin issue in your life that you've just swept under the carpet that you've never really dealt with. Maybe it's a hidden sin that you've never talked about. Maybe it was the, the love part. Maybe you feel like, man, I'm kind to people, but I, I need to really work on loving people. Could have been any, any, any number of things. Next series we did was when we entered our 40 days of prayer and fasting, which is my favorite part of the church calendar. I love the 40 days. This is um, the Lenten season. It's the 40 days leading up to Easter, and, and what we do during the 40 days of prayer and fasting is we kind of really institute—not institute, that's not a great word—we introduce a bunch of uh, rhythms that you can take part of as the church. And we have these Friday night gatherings where we'll do some contemplative stuff or some worship or all kinds of things. And, and then we invite you into a season of, of, of prayer and, and fasting. And we give you Bible things, so we're all reading the same things. And, and we give you prayer guides, so we're all kind of praying for the same things. It's really cool. And I found, I found personally God really always does really significant things in my life during those 40 days. And, 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 and I've watched it happen in the church, too. Really cool things have happened. And the reason that we do these kind of discipline things, the, the things that look like kind of traditional church discipline, things like fasting and silence and solitude, is not that we become, you know, really traditional or not because we want to be very disciplined in what we do, but we just think through these really cool rhythms that help us connect with Jesus more. They position our, ourselves to see Jesus and to connect with him. So we did a series called Jesus Is, where we looked deeper at who Jesus is. And really, we did a case study on different attributes of who he is, what he came to do. We, we looked at things like Jesus is fully God and that Jesus was fully man, and that he is our healer, and he is our teacher, that he is our servant, and, and he's our king. And then finally, on Easter, we talked about how Jesus is alive. He's alive. And again, if I had to like kind of think of the theme of, of, of this series, um, it's kind of been a theme all all year so far, but it was that there is an invitation to get to know Jesus more in, 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 in a deeper way. And the cool thing about that is there are so many different facets of our relationship with Jesus that I think it, for eternity we can learn more and more about who he is. And, and so I think maybe for some of us, there was a challenge to maybe know him for the first time. Or, or really, maybe, maybe you've always really known Jesus as the king. That he's the one, like, what he says goes and he has rules and that you're supposed to follow the rules, but you've really never known him as a friend. And there's the invitation to know Jesus more as your friend. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you've always known him as your buddy. And he's like, hey, maybe you need to start thinking me, of me as the king, too. That I, I get to say what's right and what's wrong. But either way, there's, there's an invitation to know him more. The next series we did was maybe uh, one of the, it was definitely one of the most popular series we did. Um, it was a series called Redeeming Love. And I think people really enjoy this one. This is a, a, a look at the book of Ruth. And I love that book. It's in the Old Testament. Um, it's the story about Naomi and Ruth. And, and I'm not going to retell the story, but essentially, it's these, these two women who lose their husbands, kind of lose everything. They find themselves in a really helpless situation. And it's the story of God really looking after them and caring for them. And, I mean, honestly, it's the story of these two immigrant, poor um, widows, and the sovereignty of God and the care of God to say, not only am I going to look after you, but I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to redeem you with my redeeming love. And there was this theme of the the kinsman redeemer. And it was really a foreshadowing of Jesus, of what Jesus was coming to do, to say, I'm going to redeem what was lost. I'm going to redeem what was was broken. And it shows us how God was behind the scenes, uh, were always working, always in control, even when it seemed crazy and hopeless. And, I, and, and what was really, I think, profound for a, a lot of us was just, I, I, I know some of your guys' story. I know some of what you guys are going through, and some of you guys are going through really difficult seasons and, and really difficult things, and just the reminder that God is still in control and that the story is not over yet and that he, you know, is like, constantly working to redeem. And that one day, all of the hardships that you're going through, all the struggles, that one day God will make all those things right. He will wipe every tear and not just make it okay, but actually redeem it. That he will redeem it and make it something beautiful. Another application to this series that um, I think there was a lot of conversations about Um, in different forms, was how much God cares for the marginalized. How much God cares for the people who society says have little to no value. The, The widows, the foreigner at this time had little to no value in this culture, but not to God. He said, I value them. And so maybe for, for some of us, it's like, man, society says the unborn doesn't have value, but God, you say they do. You value them. Or maybe it's that society says, you know, immigrants or, or people who weren't born in America have less value, but that's not what you say, God. You say that they are valuable because they were created in your image. And whatever it is, different race, different gender, different religion, different whatever, that God loves every single human being. He really loves the earthlings. He loves them. He loves every single one, no matter what, because they were all created in his image. And if he views people that way, we need to view people that way too. And we can't set up a hierarchy of which people are more important than others, that all were beautiful in his sight. Okay, so the next series we did was a, was a fun one. It was a series on missions, uh, and this was a cool one, and, and this one we're going to do a little different. Christopher, Denise, if you want to come up. We have had the pleasure of having two of our missionaries, actually three of our missionaries, uh, here with us Um, over the past few months. And just just so you guys know, this is Christopher and Denise's last weekend with us. And they're going to go back to Macapá, which is in northern Brazil. But uh, before they they share, I just want to say our church deeply, deeply cares about missions. It has been a high priority in our church since day one, both local missions and, and foreign missions. And we've had a a long and and deep relationship with Brazil, and it is something that we just see growing and continuing as the years go by. But I just would love to hear you guys share for a, a minute or so.
1: Uh, we're not going to take up too much time. We really just wanted to say thank you to you guys for embracing us when we got back here. We came back, we were feeling pretty worn down, and I, I feel. Much more refreshed now. We're we're so excited to get back. We feel like God kind of uh, instilled in us what He was planning on instilling in us uh, during our time back here in the states. And I also wanted to say, we look at ourselves and what we're doing in Brazil as an extension from this church. We still feel part like this is our church. Uh, our our church home, that we're an arm from this church in Makapa, planting churches there. And, you know, the Bible says to go to the ends of the earth and make disciples. And me and Denise are on the ground doing uh, that there, but we have a team working behind us from here. And we're in a unique situation as missionaries where I think probably 98% of our support comes from within this church. Uh, through the church and through the people here, and just the there's such a, uh, a connection that we feel. And I, you know, I was joking around with my dad. I said, probably in Macapá Church uh, Vineyard Viva in Macapá, there's more people wearing Vineyard Church of Delaware County shirts than actually at this church. <laughs> um, but we really, we really do love you guys. Uh, our time's wrapping up here. We're like I said, we're excited to get back, but it's 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 always bittersweet saying goodbyes. But we just really want to say thank you, and we love you guys so much. He said it all. <laughs> I just want to say thank you again. And, and thank you for embracing us, you know, as a family and, and really good, good friends here. So thank you so much. Because every, uh, it's hard for me to be away from my country. You know, I love Brazil. Uh, but every time I come to United States, I feel, I feel more part of this church, you know, more mm-hmm. part of you guys' lives too. So thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and just in case you were wondering, Macapa is right on the equator. That is why they are wearing their winter coats in here. <laughs> um, but why don't you join me? I just want to say a prayer for them, a blessing over them. So if you just want to extend your hands. Lord, we, we thank you for Christopher and Denise. We thank you that they gave you their yes, that they said yes to you. And we just, we bless that, we affirm that. Lord, and we thank you for the work that you are doing in Makapa and that you've invited um, all of us to be a part of that in some way. But would you... Um, would you just bless that work? Would you bring them people? Would you bring them resources? Lord, we just ask for your, uh, your fruit that only you can produce. We just ask that this next week would be um, not too chaotic as they prepare to go back, and we just pray for their travels back home, and, and then just kind of reconnecting when it wouldn't when it be uh, uh, too difficult. We pray this in your name, Amen. All right, thank you guys. Um, and 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 just really quickly, while we're on this, um, uh, you know, like like I said, we have a really long, uh, deep history with with Brazil, and and we believe that when we send missionaries out, um, like Christopher said, they're not just like you know, we don't swipe our hands and say, good luck out there. But we believe that it is our, you know, as a church, it's our responsibility to really care for them and love them and support them. And so I just I just want to go through a few really practical ways that you can be supporting our missionaries, um, particularly Christopher and Denise, since they're going back home today, but Bob as well, and the Kubakis in Angola. But one is, is to be praying for them. Um, I just, I firmly believe that there is power in prayer. There's a lot of power in prayer, and if we just really commit to keeping them in our prayers, it it would be just amazing. And and by the way, there's a mailing list on the info counter, and if if you want to sign up for it, they send out like a monthly newsletter of what's going on, and they actually tell us, here's how you can be praying for us. And I, I just have found that to be really helpful and to knowing, like, oh, they need prayer for this specific need. I'll be praying for that. And so I encourage you, sign up for their mailing list. Let them know that you've read it and, and, and be praying for them. Uh, another, another way that you could, you could get involved in supporting is to, to maybe go down and see what they're doing and to participate a little bit in what they're doing. And, and I just want to say... Uh, we're, we're, we're almost compiled a team. We've almost file, finalized it. But we're going down um, at the beginning of the summer um, to Makapa to kind of just be with them and to support what they're doing. And so if that is something that you're interested in, there are a few spots still available on the team. Um, come find me after the service and let me know that you're interested um, and and we'll get you the information about that, and then and then finally, just really practically, um, just helping financially. Uh, you know, committing to contribute to them financially, uh, like like Christopher said, ninety eight percent of our of their support comes from you guys, and so the more people who are giving you know, little bits of what, of what they can afford to give, the better. It's, it's way better than just having a few people giving large amounts, because if we're all just contributing, like, hey man, I'll give up a couple cups of coffee a month to, to help them do what they're doing, because there are real needs down there, um, and, 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 and real things that, you know, a little bit of money can go a long way. So I want to encourage you to... to to commit to contributing to them. And if that's something you're interested in, there are cards out there that you can grab, and it has a link of where you can go. It's also, it also works as a prayer card, so you remember to pray for them. You can also go to our website. There's a tab called Missions, and it'll, it'll walk you through how to contribute. But yeah, we are really thankful to get to spend some time with them. All right. So jumping back into our series, the next series that we did was, I think, the most popular one. It was my favorite. Um, It was a series called Redefined. Um, And and this was a, a look at the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is a sermon that Jesus gave. It's probably the most famous sermon ever given. And he gives this sermon to his disciples. And he called his disciples away from the larger crowd and said, hey, I want to talk to you guys. And I want to tell you guys what it really looks like to be a disciple. And I think it's a very, very, very important message that Jesus gives here. And really what he does is he redefines just about everything. He, he, he says, you know, you guys think power is, is, looks like this. You guys think power looks like this, but real power looks like this. Or you think success looks like this, but it really looks like this. Or you think morality looks this way, but it really looks this way. And he really goes on to redefine the way people thought about life. And he, and he showed people the real way, the way that it had always been, but the way, you know, we, we maybe got off track. He says, this is how it really is. And if I had to kind of boil down the Sermon on the Mount to kind of one thing, which is really difficult, it's, it's this idea that Jesus was trying to uh, make an argument that, that religion doesn't get you anywhere. And he was, he was setting up this stage that religion is pointless. Um, And and when, when I say religion, here's what I mean. Religion is the idea of if I, you know, do these certain things, if I conduct myself in this way, if I don't do this and do do this, then I can get God. Or if I can somehow do enough good, then I'll get to go to heaven. Or if I avoid enough bad, then God will be pleased with me. And the way that Jesus does this is he really sets this foundation of what his standard is. And he actually uh, gives a way higher standard than uh, what anyone else would have expected. Like the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders at the time, were very moral religious people. And he was basically saying, listen, they're not even good enough. My standard is way higher. Like, they'll say, don't kill, and they'll avoid that. But really, if you have hate in your heart, then you're guilty. Or he says, you know, like, you say, don't commit adultery. But if you lust after someone in your heart, then you're guilty. And he actually at one point calls us to be perfect. And there's this this growing sense, at least in me when I read it, to feel like, oh boy, I can't do that. Like, that is impossible. I'll never measure up. And Jesus, what he was doing was setting the stage, setting his standard, saying this is what it looks like to follow me, but you're not going to measure up. And therefore, you need a Savior. Jesus was showing us that, that we all need a Savior, that we will never be good enough. We will never uh, earn Jesus' love, we'll never earn his affection, but he freely gives it to us. He freely gives it to us. And I gotta be honest with you, um, this series like really did something in my heart. Like It really kind of wrecked me <laughs> a little bit, where I just realized how much of my life had been trying to earn God's affection. Like I, I accepted his salvation as a free gift, but then I would I would constantly be saying, if I work hard enough, then you'll be proud of me. And if I do enough in ministry, then you'll think I'm good. And, 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 and maybe it wasn't at the forefront of, of my mind, but it was just really deep in my core. And God is just in this... Uh, active place of really addressing that and saying, let's let's move past this. Let's work through this, because I love you. You don't have to earn my love. And so maybe for you, it's something something similar. God is saying, you don't have to earn anything from me, but I just want to give it to you, that it's a free gift for you. That was the Sermon on the Mount. And I encourage you, if you didn't listen to that one, to go back and listen to that series because I loved it. Then uh, we did a series on worship. We're wrapping up. We just got a couple more. Remember the the we talked about worship is something that we are always doing. That worship is something that we are always doing. The word worship comes from the word worthship, and essentially, it's what we are giving worth to. What we are saying has value. And worship is what we say has the most value, right? This is what I worship. It's the thing that has the most value. And so constantly in our lives, uh, we are worshiping. We are saying this is what has the most value. And it could be your career. It could be fitness. It could be finances. It could be love or relationships. It could be any variety of things. But Jesus says, I need to be the thing that you are worshiping. I need to be the, the top thing. And, and remember, we talked about indirect worship and direct worship, and we talked about the worship pie. And if you weren't here, uh, worship pie is delicious. Um, <laughs> that's totally confusing, and I'm sorry. Go back and listen to it. But We talked about how um, just a small sliver of the pie is kind of what we do here, where we sing, and, 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 but, but how important that sliver is. And how important the big piece is as well. But they feed off of one another. And, and just for a second, that small sliver, I just want to say, I remember during those two weeks where we talked about how the Bible has this mandate that we would be an expressive, responsive people, that we would shout, and we would sing, and we would clap, and we would kneel, and we would lift our hands, that it's all throughout the Bible. When we did that, it was like an eruption in here. Like, I watched you guys. You guys, were, were, we were loud. We sang. And, and I just want to encourage us to not forget that. That God is, is, is challenging us and encouraging us that, that we can be expressive. And, and sometimes I'll talk to people about that, um, about how God is calling us to be expressive. And they'll say, ah, I'm just not super expressive in worship. Um, but I'll remind them, you know, I watched the football game with you. <laughs> you were pretty expressive. <laughs> and so sometimes I think it might, be, it might be just a heart issue that God might be saying, why is it that you're expressive with that but not with this? And so maybe that's just a little challenge for, for you, you to be thinking about. Finally, we ended with our Advent series. Um, this is one we just, we just finished up a couple days ago, and this was a cool one where we talked about um, different carols. We talked about the, the deep theological truths in each of these carols and the, the stories behind them, um, and I'm not going to go deep into that because we just finished it up a couple days ago, um, but what I want to do say is I love the Advent season And I love Christmas, and I love talking about all that stuff because it is such a high point in the story of Jesus. And I love the story of Jesus. It's it's my favorite story. And I know as I look out that um, you all are living out different stories. And some of your stories are in high points, some of your stories are in low points, and and there are countless stories being told every day to us. And, and, and I think the most compelling, most beautiful story is the Jesus story. And it's a story about a, a God who created out of his abundant love. He created the universe and the expanses of space and, you know, galaxies and stars and all these beautiful things and, and the most beautiful thing the thing he loved the most that he created was humans and he said Th- those other things are good but this is really really good he loves people and he loved them so much like we said he loves the earthlings for some reason and the people that he loved so much rebelled against him They turned their back on him and chose to to live life their way and and to abandon him. And instead of uh, God saying, okay, then you guys do what you want, he said, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make this right. That wedge that formed between God and man and that wedge that actually formed Formed between all of those connections that we are called to make, Jesus said, I'm going to fix this. And, and the way he came to fix it was he left heaven and came to earth, born in a manger, and lived a perfect life, a humble but perfect life, a life that, that we were called to live, the, the, the standard of righteousness that we are called to live, but we all fall short. He lived that life. And the Bible tells us that the, the penalty, the, the wages of our sin is death, that, that we all have rebelled. We all have fallen short of that standard. And, and Jesus says, um, but you don't have to pay that price. You do not have to pay that penalty. I will pay the penalty. And all you need to do is just accept it as a free gift. And I love that story. I love that story. And maybe for some of you, the challenge was for you to accept that free gift. And maybe for some of you, it was, I've accepted that free gift, but it hasn't changed me. And Jesus is inviting you to not only just accept that free gift, but to just step into the life of being a disciple. Because not only did he save you from something, He didn't just save you from the penalty of sin. He saved you for something, for that purpose he made you to live for. And so the invitation is to start stepping in to that purpose, to connect with him, to connect with his his calling, to connect with his church and connect to his great reconciliation mission, his redeeming love mission to bring the world back to himself. And so here's how I want to end. Can we stand? We're just gonna do a regular ministry time. You know, I think the the Holy Spirit <clears throat> as we have been talking, has been kind of maybe illuminating some things in your heart. Um, And let me just say, if it feels like shame, that's not him. It can feel like a challenge, but it always feels like a loving challenge. But there's some things where you just feel like, oh man, God, this this is what you're calling me into. And I just want to invite you that if you feel like God is calling you into something or kind of pointing something out in your heart or in your life, um, that you would come forward. And, and as we worship, that you would come forward and just say yes to Jesus. And we'd love to just pray for you. Um, so if that's you, I just want to invite you forward and join me in the front. Um, if if you are here and you have any kind of need, if you are in pain, if you have sickness in your body, um, anything at all, we would love and be honored to pray for you. So uh, they're going to lead us in one last song, but I just want to invite you to come forward to just receive prayer.